Transform us into what you intended for us to be. And position us where you would have us be. Grant, O God, that we may transition from the natural into the spirit. And remain in the spirit. We thank you. Grant me utterance and clarity to speak that which is on your heart that your people may hear the Father's heart in Jesus name Amen please be seated Amen Prayer, love, and faith are three things that have been so spoken about in the body of Christ. Prayer, faith, and love. There have been messages upon messages upon messages upon messages. And as I speak to you, perhaps there are more prayer comes than there are churches in the nation. So as pastor said, there is something about the answer to prayer and perhaps we should be asking ourselves, have we really touched the nerve of the spirit that 
changes the dimensions in the realm of the spirit. So prayers are manifest in the earth. Jesus taught a lot about prayer. But maybe because he did not say pray, we didn't see it as teaching on prayer. So as we get into the scripture tonight, my prayer is that whatever place you have come to in prayer, however well exercised you are in prayer, however long you have been praying, whatever reasons you have had for praying, at the end of these five days, you would have been relocated by God into another level. The important thing for every believer in our worship of God, in our service of God, is that we never remain in the same place for long. We are on a journey. We are in a process. And we cannot afford to remain in the same spot twice. In our local parlance, we say that when a bird remains on the electric wire for too long, is asking for stones. In other words, when we remain in the same place, devil can locate you. But God has called us to be followers. And as followers, everywhere he is moving to, that is where we need to move to. It is one of the key things in spiritual warfare and spiritual strategy. If we continue in the same place for the past three years, then the enemy has locked us down. But when we can hear God and we follow God and are moving with God, the enemy finds it difficult to locate us. Are you listening? Praise God. So my prayer is that at the end of these five days, at least your spirit will be stirred up to another level. Your language in prayer will change. Your focus in prayer will change. The mind with which you step into prayer will change. How long you stay in prayer will change. The long and short of it is that you don't remain in the same place twice. You don't give any excuses anymore. How do we call excuses? <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, 
the reason I ask is because I'm also learning the language. Yes, so, praise God. So, Father, we thank you, my brother and I. Thank you that you have fused our spirits into one. That as your words come out from my mouth in English, he hears them before they out in tree and articulates them exactly as you would have them articulated. Thank you in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 18. Give me a Bible and call Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Saying there was a, in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that same city and she came to him, the judge, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she wear me out. It looks like my brother right on that stroke. <laughs> Madam, it's a pleasure to see you again. How are you doing? Wonderful, wonderful. No, you don't need to apologize. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, bro, your Fahuji has... Amen. Amen. Do you need your tree Bible? I'm okay. You're fine. Terrific. So, we'll continue from the verse 5. Yet, because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith in the earth? Uh, 
Um, Jesus had been preaching and teaching and healing the sick. And he gets to this place and begins to talk about the need that we human beings, we his disciples, must always pray. He told a story that the Bible describes as a parable. And it is a story that is taken out of the natural and told to catapult us into the spirit. He is using a natural picture to bring us in our understanding to things in the spirit. So that we can operate out of the spirit from an understanding we gain from things in the natural. So he told them the story. And the story was, there was a certain city. In the city, there were three characters. One was a widow. The other was a judge. And in that same city, there was someone called an adversary. Hello? And this widow came to the judge and said, Judge, there is an adversary. There is somebody troubling me. Being a widow, maybe he has taken my land. Probably he is denying me my right to my husband's property. There is something that was worrying the woman. There was something worrying the woman. And she came to the judge. Said, get justice for me. The judge would not do it. After some time, he changed his mind. Jesus described this judge as an unjust judge. It means that he was corrupt. He took bribes. He, could, he had his own laws of operation. Some things were not right in that system of justice. And that man did not respect man. He did not respect woman. He did not respect God. The humility of respecting fellow human beings. And the contriction of fearing God helps people to do right. But this guy had no fear. He had no respect. He was knowledgeable of the law. That is how come he became judge. But concerning this widow, he couldn't tell us. So whatever he decided, 
That is what he did. But something about this widow in the story that Jesus was telling could confront corruption, could confront disorder, could confront hatred, could confront adversaries and defy everything and ensure that the justice could be gained. And Jesus said, this woman kept on going. When the judge got up in the morning and wanted to explore his property and walk around his yard, he would hear the gate banging. Look who is there. And the widow would enter. He says, I'm not ready to listen to you. And drive her away. In the afternoon when he is about to have lunch. Who is at the gate? And the widow is there. And in the evening when he has some visitors and they are having a chat. Who is at the gate? I am not expecting a visitor. The day is virtually over. And when they open the gate, the widow is there. And it continued. And continued. And the widow, in her weakness, with her challenges, would not stop. Every day, she would go. She would go in the morning. Go in the afternoon. Go in the evening. She would go with somebody. She would go alone. And she kept on going. And 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 kept on going. Till the man said, now I am tired. Now I am tired. This woman, I don't know what it is. How come she keeps on coming? I have humiliated her. I have disrespected her. I have ridiculed her. And yet she keeps on coming. What is it? You know, the only way I can get my peace of mind is to quickly give her what she wants. So I can have some peace of mind. Widow. She doesn't have money to give me bribe. But she has something more than money. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we will try from this story. See what Jesus was trying to bring our minds to. When he told the natural story of this picture. So that we would function in the spirit better than this widow. You see, in the scripture, Bible describes the state of widows. So the picture of a widow is a picture of helplessness. 
Now, please don't get me wrong. In the context of that cultural setting in which Jesus was speaking, the picture of widows was a picture of hopelessness, of helplessness, and of pain. So in the Old Testament, at least in three places, God gave instructions. He said, when you harvest your fields, and you forget some of the harvest in the field, don't go go back for it. Leave it for the fatherless, for the stranger, and for the widow. He says, leave it for who? The fatherless, the stranger, and the widow. So the widow is considered as one who had no place to turn to for help, for produce, for any sort of thing. She is a widow without a husband. She had nothing in Israel. He went further and said that if you treat widows badly, you treat the fatherless badly, you treat the stranger badly, I will fight for them. So at another time, he was telling the story and he sat in the temple, he sat at church. And then people were bringing their offerings. And some folks came and they walked and they knew that I was bringing a, a, a nice offering. And they put money. And as he was watching, they kept on coming. And kept on coming. And kept on coming. All of a sudden, a woman came down. And when she came, the Bible says she had two mites. Two mites. And she put it in. Immediately she did that. There was a stir. Jesus said, hey, 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 come, 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 come. Come and see. You see what she has put in? I tell you, this widow has given more than all of the others who have come. There was something peculiar in viewing the widow and what she had to tell you widows in that time had extremely little. So Jesus was using the picture of a widow to paint the picture of our state of helplessness in any given situation. So when you think that you are okay, your prayer would be affected. If you don't see your helplessness and your helpless state and your need for God, your prayer would be affected. So he painted this picture and said, look at this unrighteous judge. And listen to what he said. Now he says, and shall God 
Now, at the mention of that, he begins to target certain key conditionalities in prayer. Please understand. The Bible says, and he spoke to them, his disciples, and said to them, shall God. He was speaking to the people of Israel, who are the people of God, and he says, shall God. The first, the first principle by which you enter into prayer has to be relationship with God. So when he taught us how to pray in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you pray, do not pray like all of these people, for they think they will be heard for the multitude of their words. But you, when you pray, enter your closet, shut the door, and then speak to your father who is in secret and say, Our Father, relationship. Amen. Into a chair, my boy. I will look and some petins. I need materials and petit to buy. Kono, I can say. I want paya. Me and mom paya and kata be brace. So ma, omu nieja no. Ne mommy and kase. Ye nieja e wasro. Ye wejabi. So determined by your relationship with God, there will be strength in your prayer. The kind of relationship you have with God. The growing relationship you have with God. How you view Him. How you hear Him. How you see Him. How you obey Him. All of those things, it determines your relationship and your fellowship. It will determine the strength and how you pray. If we pray as a people who simply use God as a rubber stamp, God do this for me, and when he does it, then that is it. I'm afraid you might have some of those answers, but your relationship and fellowship with God will become dry. So this parable, he says, this widow kept going. The second thing he mentions in this account, I will use the word persistence. He kept, she kept on and kept on. And kept on. And kept on. And kept on. And before he described this, he says, Men ought always to pray and not to do what? Lose heart. So let us backtrack again. The word is what? Always. Always. He told this parable to the intent that men always ought to pray. Always. Underline that one in your Bible. Always. So the always is not when it is convenient for you. It is always. 
the always it is not your sophie time when you are finished doing everything else you want to do with your whatsapp and twitter and grams and then you leave the sophie for god and says now you want to pray to massage your ego he says always and the one who is a serious businessman and is always busy with some things is saying that, but pastor, when I'm doing my business, how can I be praying? I will show you how you can be praying. Because there is a place in which you enter into prayer and you keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying. Your spirit comes alive and your mouth may not be speaking in prayer, yet your spirit is praying. The moment you shut your mouth when you are doing discussions, your spirit starts praying aloud. When you are doing business, your spirit is still praying. When you keep praying, your mouth begins to pray. God has so designed us that it is possible to be talking to someone. And I'm sure all of you have done that before. Can I ask somebody here who has been stopped by the police for doing something wrong before? Anybody here like that? Good. I have been stopped like that before. So at, at least you are not alone. And when you were stopped, and you knew you were wrong, while the police was talking to you, what were you doing? You were praying. And now you say that it is not possible to be praying whilst you are doing business. Who told you that? You, you understand? It is possible. And you can pray more intensely. Jesus, Jesus, our example, our Lord, our teacher, our instructor, told this story. The intention of his story is that men must always be praying. Anyone, anyone who would say to you that what Jesus instructed it's not possible. Call that person a rebellious man. Because Jesus is teaching us. And you are saying you are wiser than Jesus. You know more than God. And therefore you are telling God it's not possible. Do you see the seriousness of it? In another place, he says, pray without ceasing. People, God does not make statements for statement's sake. What he means, he says it. And what he says, he means it. So he tells the story. And this woman, in the same city, in the city of Accra, 
In the city of La. Now lies the city. Amen. In the city of Kumasi. Wherever it is that you find yourself. There is an adversary. But along with the adversary. There is a righteous judge, your God. Our God is present. So it does not matter the conditions that you face. It does not matter what you are going through. It does not matter what threat you are facing. It does not matter what your need is. The simple thing now becomes. He says, pray always. When you are weak, pray. When you are strong, pray. When you are happy, pray. Prayers when you are happy are called singing of psalms. Pray. When you are sick, pray. When you are angry, pray. When you are confused, pray. For men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. When there is confusion in the marriage, pray. When there is trouble with the children, pray. When there is trouble with the business, pray. People, there are some things that you can never replace. You can't use prayer to take the place of the word. And you can't use the word in place of prayer. They are supposed to go together. So when he says men ought always to pray, it tells you that he was targeting a change of our attitude. Turn to your neighbor, say neighbor. Tell her, I, I have prayed before. And I still pray. And I will continue to pray. But I will shift from where I am. I'll go higher. I will go deeper. I will pray always. People, the second thing he said mainly was that don't lose heart. Okay. Literally, he was saying, don't lose faith. That's right. Don't lose the trust relationship you have. Because you see, he said at the end, but when the Son of Man shall come, shall he find faith? In chapter 11, he spoke a similar parable. From the verse 5. And he said, Which of you, 
Which of you having a friend? Having a friend. Who would come to him at midnight? Midnight means it's not a convenient hour. That is not the time you go visiting. Friend, I have come to visit you. It is an uncomfortable time. It is an inconvenient time. But a friend is a friend. There is relationship. He said, which of you, when your friend, relationship, comes to you at midnight, and say to you, friend, give me three loaves of bread for a loan. Because a friend has come to me. A friend has come to me. And I have nothing to set before him. And you will say, go away. He said, even though the friend will not rise up simply because of the friendship, yet because of his persistence in coming at that time. He would rise. He would rise. He says, my friend. I say, I'm in need. He is in a difficult situation. He must find it difficult coming at this hour to ask. He must feel humiliated coming at this time to ask. He must be feeling ashamed to have to tell me I have nothing at home. And then come and beg for food. Something as common as bread. He was painting a picture. He was showing to us that unless each one of us, when we come to prayer, acknowledge that we are hopeless and helpless, we don't cry properly to God. So he told another story and said two people went to pray. One was what? A scribe or something like that? And when they entered, the other was a tax collector. Tax collectors in those times were considered the worst of sinners. When they entered, the other one who felt that they knew God began to pray and say, thank you God that you have shown me mercy and you have given me breakthrough and I'm not like some people. I don't wrong people. I don't do this. I thank you for my breakthrough. And that was the prayer. And the other person, he said he would not even as much as lift up his head, but beat his chest and said, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The moment he says, I am a sinner, he is saying, I don't deserve your grace. 
I have no basis to be standing here. I am worth nothing before you. Yet it is you I can cry to. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Many of us are in prayer camps. Many of us are fasting and praying. Many of us are crying out and making proclamations and decreeing things. But our position of heart is wrong. Once in a prayer meeting, they have set fire in the prayer. Everybody, kaba, kaba, kaba. And the one who was leading the prayer, when he measured the temperature, <laughs> he said, Now you can begin to make your claim. Decree. Claim what you want to claim. Then one brother, he said, Lord, that yellow building in the corner, I claim it. I lay my, I, I lay my hands on it in the name of Jesus. It shall be mine. I name it. I claim it. I possess it. I believe it. And as he kept on going on, all of a sudden, he felt somebody tapping. He said, hey, brother. He said, please, that building, it is mine. So stop it. He said, at least I'm also in the prayer meeting. I worked hard for it, so you... He said, believe God for something else. Some people... Let me leave that. We would be coming back to this story. Amen. Amen. But I would want for us to start closing with an account. Because that way we can identify. So let us go back to First Samuel. First Samuel in chapter one. Now there was a certain man of Ramathiam Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, son of Eliho, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. You know why I've stopped? Because some people are struggling with that. In, in, in the Bible. In the Bible. He had two wives. And the name of one was Hannah. And the name of the other was Penina. 
Penina had children. But Hannah had no children. By the way and the order in which the names are mentioned, it tells you that Hannah was the first wife and the senior wife. We are not told how long Hannah was married to Elkanah before Penina came. This man went up from the city, city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also had two sons, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there, priests of the Lord. They were there. Please jump to verse 5. But Hannah, he, to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Question. Question. Was Hannah a barren woman? Was Hannah a barren woman? She was not. If it came to natural order, she could conceive. But God had put a finger. Then there must be a reason why God did that. Your circumstance may be a finger of God that has pushed you somewhere. Are you listening? But God had closed her womb. Penina did not know what God had done. Penina only knew that you have slept with your husband and still you are not getting stomach. Look at verse 6. And her rival, Penina, she was a rival, provoked her severely. Severely. Are there some people in your life provoking you? Because of where God has pushed you. Stop looking at your provocateurs, those who provoke you, and start looking to God. To make her miserable. Because the Lord had closed her womb. So Hannah, for some time, was miserable. She used to pray. And she prayed. And she prayed. In her misery, she prayed. But the content of her prayer produced no results until the day she shifted in prayer to another spot. So it was year by year. At least we are told that Penina had sons and Daughters. Why is that important? 
It is because in those days, if the sons were not twins and the daughters were not twins, in those days, for somebody to have a son or a daughter, it will be at least about three years. Because it took three years to win the child. And according to medical science, the more you breastfeed, the less likely you are to conceive. Is that not true? So if Penina had sons and daughters, let's say they are just two, two. And she did not go three years, but went two years. Or one and a half years. It means that for six years, year by year, year by year, year by year, I want you to place yourself in the place of Anna. Where you have prayed, you have desired, you have cried. You, you, you have done everything you know how to do up until this point. And still nothing. You are having your menses regularly. But still. He says, and she provoked her. Therefore she wept. She wept and would not eat. This not eating is not fasting, oh. It's not fasting. It is a how. So miserable, she couldn't even have appetite for food. You understand? She did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Husband, sometimes be careful what questions you ask your wives. Because the answer is obvious. The answer is obvious. <laughs> and you do not eat. Why is your heart grieved? So you can imagine what atmosphere is in the house. Every effort of Elkanah to be a Jaqua Joker won't work. Every attempt of encouragement won't work. His exhortative properties and gift and grace was not working. He said, am I not better to you than ten sons? Somebody said it looks like Elkanah was trying to prophesy born again ahead of time. Verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating. Mark it, she was not eating. She sat with them, but she did not eat. And drinking in Shiloh. And the priest was sitting on a seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle. And she was in what? Bitterness of soul. 
Sometimes we go through certain circumstances and situations arise. When you open your mouth, it is bitterness. When, when you are even trying to have an ordinary conversation with people, what comes out of your mouth is bitterness. So people begin to move away from you. Bitterness of soul. And prayed to whom? And prayed to the Lord. And wept in anguish. Then she made a vow. This is where she was supposed to come to. And let me explain it briefly. You notice at the beginning in the story, Bible says, and the sons of Eli were there. Eli was the high priest. And Hophni and Phinehas, his brother, who were supposed to be priests in place of their father, were misbehaving in the church. They were taking from the offering and changing the rules by which God has set for worship. They had become like the unjust judge. They did whatever they pleased. And God needed someone fresh in their place. So all the while, he allowed Hannah to go through what she was going through. And all the while, drawing Hannah to the place where Anna would say, whatever son you give me, I'll give him back to you. Then was fulfilled, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. The moment he began to say, I will give that son you give to me back to you. And he will serve you. God said, this is my will. I want someone in that that temple. Look at the drama. He says, oh Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon my affliction, the affliction of your maid servant, and remember me and not forget your maid servant, but will give your maid servant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And she went further. Not only will I give him, but no blade will touch his hair. That makes him a Nazirite. It means the person is under an oath. There are some things he cannot do. His time is for God. His body is for God. Everything he did was for God. In those times, you can be a Nazarite for seven years. Or a Nazarite for 14 years. 
or a Nazarite for three years. This one, he says, you are going to be a Nazarite all your life. The other person we know who was a Nazarite, also's mother could not conceive. That was Samson. Manoah's wife could not conceive. She tried and tried and tried, no. Then one day an angel came to her, look, you have been barren, but now you conceive. And the son you give birth to, don't cut the hair. He won't drink alcohol. He won't eat this. He won't touch dead bodies. Samuel. Samuel became a type of Christ whose entire life was for God. And Hannah. Hannah. What does Hannah mean? Who can tell me? Many of you have devices, so you check your device. Let's preach together. Uh, uh, so, so let, let's find out. What does Hannah mean? Uh, Hananiah, Hanael, Hannah. Means what? Favor and grace of God. Amen. You understand? And favor and grace of God produced what was asked for. Samuel. Amen. Asked of the Lord. Amen. So God brought us out of favor. He is giving something to us. Amen. I, I, I <laughs> Verse 12. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her and watched her mouth. I'm sure today, if Osofobi is watching you pray, if you are not careful, somebody will stand somewhere and take picture and say Osofobi is looking at a woman. <laughs> Bible says he watched her mouth. Why? Verse 13. Verse 13. Hannah now spoke where? In her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. So Hannah must have been behaving like... Because if it's only lips moving, then how do you conclude the person is drunk? Something else was going on in her body. She may have been swaying out of her agony. The intensity of her prayer was making her behave unusually. Eli said, how long are you going to remain drunk? He says it is not drunkenness. Verse, how long? Verse 15. Hannah answered, No, my Lord, no, my Lord. Please, it's out of a sorrowful spirit. 
my depravity, my need for God. I need God. I need God to intervene. I need His hand. Without Him, I am nothing. Unless He speaks, I have nothing. Unless He comes in, I know not where I am going. I recognize that I have a need. I need God. I need His breath. I need His voice. I need His hand. I need Him to make me pregnant. I need God. And they had this dialogue. After he had told him what it was. He says, out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken until now. And Eli answered and said, go in peace. Go in peace. The same priest who thought she was out of order. Because of his position as high priest, the moment he understood, he says, And the God of Israel, grant your petition which you have asked. He did not know what she had asked. He did not know the vow he has made. But at that point, he began to understand whatever it is that the woman was carrying must be waiting. Somehow, somehow, he seemed not to have noticed that they've been coming year after year and Hannah never came with a child. He seemed not to have noticed, but Hannah needed God, the God who knew. So he told them a parable. That men always ought to pray and not to faint. I will say to you again, what is your condition? Are you tired with your condition? Don't get tired. Don't, don't get tired. You may get tired with the condition, but don't get tired praying. Continue praying. Because that condition will have to bow. That situation would have to yield. Because we have a God. We have a living God. We have a living God. We have a living God. Who answers prayer? The beautiful thing is that Hannah was growing older. And when Samuel was born, oh, Yehoah, I wonder, I would like to watch Penina. I would like to watch her. I would like to hear what she will say in her bedroom. You see, God will make you laugh last and you will laugh best. Amen. 
Are you getting the picture? What people don't understand is that if you don't give up and you keep pressing in, whilst it appears your answer has delayed, and your answer may have delayed, but whilst you don't give up and you keep pressing in and keep pressing in, something begins to change inside of you. Your spirit becomes stronger. Your ability to hear God becomes stronger. Your ability to stay and fight becomes greater. At the, at the end of the fight, you would say, I know how to stay in the presence of God. You remember that Jesus Christ, just before he was crucified, the night he spoke with his disciples they went to the garden of Gethsemane Gethsemane means the oil press it is a place where there are olive trees so they pluck the olives and crush it for virgin oil Olive trees are very interesting plants because I believe that is probably why God so designed them and chose them. They can survive for up to over a thousand years. It keeps growing outward and so sometimes the inside becomes hollow but it still keeps growing. Sometimes it does not grow too big. It will just remain at a certain point, but it doesn't die. And they went to pray. And when they got there, the first batch remained at one place. Then three of them, he took them a little further. May God take you a little further. He took them a little further. And when they got there, everyone whom God takes a little further, he says, pray with me. Everyone whom God takes a little further, he says, pray with me. He says, pray with me. I am weary. That was the eve where salvation was about to be birthed for eternity. They had a chance. They had a chance to participate in this divine agenda. He says, pray with me. And then he left them and went further and he began to pray. And he prayed and prayed and prayed. After about one hour he came. When he came, they were doing vikono, psychomiasis. <laughs> That's a strong one. <laughs> How do you call that? Don't talk about that. A lizard on the wall. <laughs> oh, my language is beautiful. <laughs> Are we getting it? So he woke them up. He said, Oh, can you not watch with me one hour? Before I go further, perhaps God 
has allowed the circumstance in your life so that you may rise up in prayer and begin to watch with him one hour because something fresh is about to be birthed on your horizon. Are you getting the picture? Then he said something else. He said, Pray that you do not enter into temptation. Indeed, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So staying in prayer becomes for each one of us a conquering of the flesh. I believe had they listened. When Judas Iscariot came with the team. What did he do? He kissed Jesus. And then they wanted to arrest him. What what did Peter do? He began physical fight. If he had prayed, he would not have been so tempted. If he had prayed, he would not have denied. Hello. People, are we getting this? So, coming back to Hannah, Bible says that God had closed her womb. So, I don't know about your circumstance. I don't know about whether it is lack of money. I don't know whether it is because you have grown. You are a beautiful woman, but nobody is coming to marry you. I don't know. I don't know whether you are a young man and every time you go to some lady, then they will give you back cake. I don't know whether it is business that doesn't seem to be working well. I don't know whether it's every time you turn around, people are telling lies about you. I don't know if it is that you carry a spirit of rejection and every attempt for you to get close to somebody, you you are rejected. I don't know if somehow every time you try to play with people, you say the wrong thing. Every time your mouth is putting you into trouble. Situations seem not to be as they ought to be. Maybe your home is hard. And you feel that where you come from, your village, things are not correct. I have news for you. I have news for you. Tonight you are going to shift places. Are you getting the picture? Because all of those conditions may just be a setup for you to start praying differently. Year after year, Hannah kept praying. And all the while she was praying, she did not seem to get the prayer right. But the day, the day, the day, that time, when she began to say, this is a vow. Give me a son. 
I will give him back to you. At that time, I want you to understand something important. From the, what was called the unproductive womb. In the natural, there was another womb. There was another womb. A prayer womb. So Samuel was conceived in the atmosphere of strong intercession. So when he became a boy, by the time he was 12, he was hearing the voice of God. Because the womb that conceived him, the womb that conceived him, wrapped him up in prayer. So Hannah, uh, sorry, uh, Samuel, Bible says, and not one word from the mouth of Samuel fell to the ground. Because year after year after year, of what appeared to be a denier, produced a prophet, produced a prophet like no other prophet. From age 11, 12, Samuel, 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 and he said, Yes, Lord. That your children who are yet to be born may begin to say yes, Lord. That the children who are present, you also will wrap yourself up in intercessions and prayer. That your business 10 years from now will be produced out of prayer. That your college degrees will be produced out of prayer. But beyond all of these things, that the church will become pregnant in her womb, pregnant with the will of God, pregnant with the season's purpose of God, pregnant with the power of God, pregnant to do everything that God requires to be done in this time. Pregnant. Turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, Friend, I don't know about you, but with what I am hearing, I have decided, I have made a decision that if it is left with only me to pray for you and for this church so the purpose of God will come to pass I will not stop. I will always pray. I will rise up and pray. I will pray in the morning. I will pray in the evening. I will pray in the afternoon. I will pray when I am eating. I will pray on the bus. I will pray when I am working. I will pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. I will beseech heaven until there is an answer from on high. This is but a tip of the iceberg of the basis upon which you must stand to pray.
Because there are other things. Some very deep and beautiful things. The more we understand them, the less we worry. May the Lord God set a fire in your spirit. A fire unto prayer like you have never experienced before. Place your hand upon your head wherever you may be seated. And say, Oh Lord God. Oh Lord God. That I may be an instrument. An instrument of prayer. An instrument of people for you at this time. That you will hear my voice. And hear my heart. That I will not keep silent. But I will call upon you. That you may answer. I will stand in the gap. I will pray. And pray. And pray. And pray to you. And to you alone. And pray. And do your bidding. Oh Lord. Set my heart on fire. Set my heart on fire. Release me into prayer. Release prayer like I've never known it before. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. Begin to pray. Oh, Join hands with somebody and just begin to agree. Hey, Makadaro Mama Shobra. Domo Sebo Shabala Baba. Shabranya. May this house be noted that every prayer offered receives an answer. That this house shall be known as a house of prayer. A house of strong prayer. A house of great prayer. A house of penetrating prayer. That in the realm of the spirit, the fire of your prayer shall be known. Thank you. Manala. Manala.
mandiri. Orala. Mandoro mamash. Eh kadoru hatada kabrada. Mayalele mamoshado. Mandere moru alaba. Mamoshakora. Parala babobra. Alala mamosha. Eh palala. Mora babrana. Keya da toruana. Alala mamosha. Mona lala. Kololo mamosha. Kebreso bo. Kabora balaba. Monololo mama. Keriborolo baba. There have been some people. There have been some people. At this point, you simply want to say, God, I am sorry. Forgive me. Because many times he has stirred you up to go and pray, and you gave one excuse why you can't pray now, and you and before you knew it, prayer that time had passed. When as well you could have been praying whilst you were doing what you were supposed to be doing. You just want to say, God, forgive me. Prayer is to help you so that you will hear the voice of God. Prayer is to change your intimacy with God that it becomes stronger and deeper. From today, as you go home, the more you engage your mind in prayer, the less you will complain about problems. The more you engage your mind in prayer, the less you will talk about people. The more you engage your lips in prayer unto God about the circumstance that you would have gossiped about, the more you will see God's intervention in that same circumstance. Choose tonight that you will be a divine instrument for change by prayer. That you will be a divine instrument for change by prayer. That your voice be heard on high. Lift up that voice and say, Lord, forgive me where I have not prayed. Where I have not prayed, God, forgive me. Where I have spent time with other things, God, forgive me. God, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. I want to be that instrument of prayer. I want to cooperate with heaven. That your will in heaven may be executed in the earth. That your name may be glorified. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.